I think it's amazing how you know the startup uh, uh, grows uh, not just in terms of quantities, but um, the varieties you know of verticals that you know the startup goes into. I mean, back then in the uh, what is it the early two thousand, we have like the uh, the internet boom, right? And and bust. Uh, well, everybody's doing uh, e-commerce, you know, everything internet. Um, uh, so I think back then uh, we know that uh, internet is going to be big, definitely digital is going to be big. Uh, but it's just amazing to me that now in the past five years we we see that a lot of you know verticals of of startups uh, that we probably didn't think before, like Uber, you know, Airbnb, uh, all the stuff, right? I mean, who who will thought that you know we can uh, someone? I mean, a company can have like. Uh, uh, providing you know places to stay, but not actually you know having the owning the place, right? Uh, same thing with Uber, uh, Gojek. I think it's very, very, very amazing, very and very good for the economy and society that uh, we have all these um, uh, startups providing that kind of service. Yeah, and and uh, especially now in the pandemic, uh, that really helps a lot. Welcome to the MHV Podcast. We speak with leading founders, VCs, and operators on their journey in Southeast Asia. Learn more at www.monkshill.com. Hi, Anton. Uh, Pleasure to have you on the MHV Podcast. Uh, I'm excited to have you as a founder, as a CEO, as someone with such deep expertise. Uh, so excited to share. Uh, Anton, good to have you on the show. Hi, yes, Jeremy. It's very good to be here with you. Um, I'm looking forward you know, to have this podcast and uh, get everyone knows about IDX Partners. Anton, could you share a little bit more about who you are and what you've done? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, briefly, I'm, I'm the founder of and the CEO of IDX Partners. Uh, we've been in the business for uh, over a bit, you know, 15 years uh, or so. And uh, we've been uh, becoming like the trusted partners yeah, in, in data analytics and decisioning uh, for the multifinance, uh, banking, insurance, uh, all yeah, the fintechs in uh, Indonesia. Banking, insurance, uh, all yeah, the fintechs in uh, Indonesia. Uh, years uh, for us uh, despite the pandemic and 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 we see that uh, the business will keep growing and growing and i hope that uh yeah i can share more about it uh, after this great so uh how did you decide to become an entrepreneur and founder was it something that you always wanted to be as a kid was it something that you fell into afterwards well how did you get started for you yeah 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 well, I got that question a lot. Um, I guess when I uh, finished schools uh, back in the 90s, um, back then, I think that there, there was like limited choice of uh, what uh, we wanted to do yeah, as a fresh grad. Uh, I think at that time, uh, the popular choices were like banking, uh, consulting, yeah, or doing... Uh, you know, engineering stuff like manufacturing. Yeah. So I happen to be like uh, an engineer um, by major. I don't really like doing engineer uh, as a, 
as you know as a profession um so i decided to uh, and then while it was my first job but i think it, it was very rewarding because i got to know about uh, how the banking works particularly the consumer banks and at the time citibank was like you know the one of the best uh, consumer banks uh in the world yeah and um i think it was just in my uh, aspiration that to have my own business um so after working for about uh, six years uh, at citibank um, um i i saw that there's like a great you know a big opportunity um particularly in indonesia back then um, because the banks at the time in in early 2000s uh, is is quite traditional yeah the way they uh, process the uh, uh, the loans how they manage the, uh, uh, the the customers is very basic and very traditional meaning like it's, it's very manual yeah so we, uh, I think I saw a lot of you know opportunities there how we can transform the banking world in Indonesia um, to be more effect, uh, more efficient and also um, to be more effect, uh, more efficient and also I mean that's what started the whole thing where uh, I, I, got, I founded the company IDX Partners uh, to help um, the banks uh, in data analytics at a time. Great. And was it what you expected it to be? <laughs> because, you know, uh, you thought that, you know, you just had to build it and it would come, etc. Was it easy? Was it hard? You know, did it turn out to be a, a good, yeah. easy transition for you? Well, well, I think anybody who start up the uh, new business will, will have, I mean, should expect uh, a dry, you know, quite a long dry <laughs> Uh, season yeah I think at the time for the first one year we just did you know marketing marketing meeting people here and there doing presentation but no actual work uh, uh, came up yeah because uh, the what we what we uh, provided um, was quite specialized and quite new at the time so I think it took some time yeah for the banks to really grasp the idea and uh, adopt that yeah um, so I think we are, we are we are quite fortunate in a way that um, we got our first client uh, from uh, one of the largest uh, foreign banks in Indonesia. I think that gave us uh, a boost in terms of uh, the credibility. And after that, it's quite you know a good sailing. Uh, we got you know clients after clients. Um, well, at a time when we started the um, I and and a friend uh, started you know this um we well we didn't expect that it will grow in terms of like uh becoming like a large you know a b2b a fintech company uh we started with like two people doing everything and anything uh, and we we didn't think that it will grow like you know hundreds of people we probably foresee that oh, hey it's a yeah, it's quite niche probably will will scale up to maybe 15 to 20 people right uh, but well, well, yeah, it turned out to be a, a big uh, business, and we we have like 150 people right now in our company. Amazing. And when you think about that, how do you think you changed as a founder um, 
over time, right? Because that's a common story yeah. for a lot of people is that when you start out as a founder, you're building a business and just like you mentioned, it's grown to so many people. How do you think you've changed as a leader and founder over time? Well, um, I guess when we have like five to 10 people, uh, employees, um, I would, I would think it's like a mom and pop kind of shop where, uh, yeah, we do everything our own, uh, even myself, We'll, we'll, we'll do uh, the accounting, we'll do the, uh, we'll do the, uh, uh, the contracting, you know, basically we do everything, right? Um, but as we grow now with, you know, with hundreds, over hundreds of people, uh, then uh, I think the first thing is we need to be able to uh, delegate, yeah, all those, um, um, uh, the, the operational and also the, uh, uh, the supporting functions yeah to the relevant team relevant people uh, number two is um, uh, we need to be able to um, from the senior team like myself to the young uh, team yeah so that they can be uh, a team yeah so that they can be uh, uh, the specific uh, knowledge needed oriented um, so we, we have to be uh you know to to be able to give you know as as much as possible yeah the knowledge that we think and now as uh we grow bigger and bigger um uh strategy definitely will play a bigger role here uh in the you know in the greater group uh in five different you know uh i guess uh shifting my role yeah from the uh more from the uh uh, operationals, you know, project uh, specific um, uh, roles, but going into more and more into uh, management and, and strategy. You know, switching gears a little bit here is, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about all these things in a very kind of like structured way, right? About all the things that you learn as a leader. Um, and I also noticed that, you know, you also went to UC Berkeley, right? Which I also went to as an undergrad. I did, yeah. So go Bears. Right, go Bears. <laughs> you know. Go Bears. Um, you know, so, you know, and, you know, you started engineering, right, as an undergrad. Do you, when you were an undergrad, did you ever think that you were going to be a founder one day? Or did you, were you intending, I mean, what were you thinking back then as an undergrad? Did you know what you were going to be? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I did actually bachelor's and master's in Berkeley for yeah. uh, mechanical engineering. Yeah, right. Uh, all the technical, the logical, uh, the problem-solving skills uh, required yeah, to be successful in any fields. Yeah, solving skills uh, required yeah, to be successful in any fields. Yeah, uh, but I never thought about you know being uh, you know like a, a founder. I mean, founder. I think is the term that with the startup world now. Uh, but back then, I think I just want to start something uh, by myself. Yeah, uh, that's why we started very small, like only two people, and we didn't expect to grow a lot. Um, so it's, it's you know very like a small boutique kind of uh, uh, consulting. Yeah, um, and didn't expect you know to grow like big to becoming like a pub, you know later publicly listed company or whatever. Yeah, but I think yeah that there was back then that's there was like the. Uh, 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 the motive, yeah. What were you like as a, you know, a student back then? Rebellious or were you always in the library? What were you like? 
exploring America, driving around. Well, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was not really, uh, you know, library type kind of uh, students. I guess I, I only stepped into library like maybe twice in my five years there. <laughs> So um, I'm I'm more uh, I mean I'm more like a, a self learner in a way yeah um, rather than uh, reading textbooks you know but more like uh, self learner and then uh, doing uh, uh, exercise on my own yeah um, uh, that's my style of study and I think now with uh, working also I think that that carries uh, carries on yeah uh, I'm still doing a lot of um, self-study yeah um, online or, or offline um, uh, but yeah other than that I think pretty much you know the usual what the students do <laughs> hanging out with friends doing <laughs> uh, going out to uh, you know explore playing some uh, what is it uh, the, the bull uh, the uh, what we call it billiard uh, a pool table yeah I mean, yeah, bowling, yeah, all the fun stuff there. <laughs> what was your favorite memory uh, of uh, those years? You know, because you spent a good chunk of time there, right? You know, uh, both the undergrad yeah. and masters there. What was your favorite memory? If you have one or two of those years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess as a student, um, well, well, uh, well, it's a yeah, it's kind of like protected, right? Um, I worked a bit here and there, but uh, didn't really, you know, know about the working environment, uh, real working environment. Uh, didn't get the pressure of that. Yeah, so it's, I guess it's a different pressure. Um, um, in terms of, I think I have some fond memories in terms of classes. There are some classes that I enjoy most. Yeah, about uh, operation research, about you know manufacturing, how we can you know, uh, make everything more efficient and, uh, and, and um, optimize uh, profitability, etc, etc. Um, and then out of and, and also doing uh, hands on, you know, projects uh, using robots, you know, also other stuff. I think it was, it was fun and, and, and very memorable uh, uh, for me. Yeah. Well, other than that, uh, I guess, again, friends were, were I think the <laughs> uh, where you have all the fun with you know friends and meeting a lot of people well that's uh, yeah it's a countless i guess memories there um, amazing beautiful memories um and so one interesting thing that you chose to do i mean obviously because you know so many people and i was you know made that same journey years down the road was you made a decision to go back to indonesia right uh, and you, you and I both know that so many people made a decision to go either way, right? It's like stay in America, in Cali you know, California is a wonderful place, right? Versus, you know, go back to, you know, Southeast Asia, right? So I'm just wondering, you know, what was the context of your decision, I guess? You know, why did you choose to go back versus, I mean, I mean, lots of people chose to stay in America, right? So what, how did you think about it and how, and, and obviously you made a decision back then and, and. I guess I'm wondering how you now reflect on that decision, you know, years down the road, right? So uh, back again to the field that I want to do. Yeah. Um, 
if I chose mar uh, manufacturing or production, I think I would be able, uh, I, would, I, would, I would consider staying in the US and working there, right? Um, uh, but it's not my passion. So uh, my, uh, my, well, I chose banking, yeah, because something that I, I, I at the time, I think uh, that will be, uh, you know, will be big. I mean, will be, it's already big, but I think it will, it will continue as a business yeah, uh, to be bigger and bigger. And especially in Indonesia, where um, we have like the third mm, yeah, the fourth largest uh, population yeah, in the world, um, uh, a lot of consumers, yeah, and, and definitely um, the population also, you know, in terms of GDP, everything is going up and uh, the consumer spending will be going up. Yeah, so I think um, in emerging market, that's where the growth will be. Yeah. So I guess my my I guess there there's some pointers there. One is definitely uh, going to banking. Second is going to emerging market. Emerging market. I think Indonesia is the perfect and safest choice for me. Five uh, largest uh, population in the world. Yeah. And and that's how we um, I end up you know picking going back uh, to Indonesia and doing banking. Um, and also, well. Um, I've been, you know, definitely. Even back then, um, I know that I won't, I won't be working uh, for someone or for a company uh, quite some time. Yeah. Um, so I, at certain, you know, period of time, uh, I would, you know, set up my own business. Yeah. And and um, again, Indonesia, I think is a perfect choice because uh, in terms of the barriers of entry or the cost to uh, set up a company is, is quite low. Yeah. And so that. The uh, the, uh, the risk. Uh, I, I guess you can manage the risk better. Yeah, um, uh, doing it in Indonesia. Were you thinking like that back then, uh, or is that something you think about now? Uh, yes, I think it's amazing how you know the startup uh, uh, grows. Uh, not just in terms of quantities, but. Um, the varieties, you know, of verticals that, you know, the startup goes into. I mean, back then in the, you know, in the IT, you know, the, the uh, what is it, the early 2000, we have like the, uh, the internet boom, right? And, and bust. Uh, well, everybody's doing uh, e-commerce, you know, everything internet. Um, uh, so I think back then uh, we know that uh, internet is going to be big, definitely. Digital is going to be big. But it's just amazing to me that now in the past five years, we, we see that a lot of, you know, verticals of, of startups uh, that we probably didn't think before, like Uber, you know, Airbnb, uh, all the stuff, right? I mean, who, who thought that, you know, we can, uh, someone, I mean, a company can have like uh, uh, providing, you know, places to stay, but not actually you know, having the owning the place, right? Uh, same thing with Uber, uh, Gojek. I think it's very, very, very amazing, very and very good for the economy and society that uh, we have all these um, uh, startups providing that kind of service. Yeah, and and uh, especially now in the pandemic, uh, that really helps a lot. When you say that, you know, you've seen a lot of the kind of like ecosystem kind of like mature and become deeper. Uh, do you have any fun stories of how it was the opposite of that, I guess, in the early days? Uh, 
Well, maybe I can speak of uh, in the line of business that we do. Yeah, where um, we uh, we do you know data analytics and decisioning, right? Uh, so we uh, we have to rely on data, yeah, to be able to make the right uh, prediction analysis, yeah, and and, and how to uh, to be utilized in the you know in the in the strategy of the business, yeah. So uh, back then in early you know, 2000, 2005, um, data is very scarce. Uh, we don't have, like now, where we can just connect to the credit bureau, we can connect to the uh, e-commerce uh, provider, telco, you know, all those stuff who can just provide data to us and, and use it, right? So back then, uh, things, data is very scarce and we, we, need, we needed to work with the clients uh, uh, to get the data uh, in, in, in certain uh, projects, we actually need to pull up, you know, the hard copies, the application forms from different branches uh, and manually input it into Excel so that we can use wow, the data. that sounds like a It was pain. fun. <laughs> <laughs> pain equals fun, right? <laughs> fun equals pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so now it's a lot easier. Things are moving faster, and you know I think also um, you know I think obviously there's a lot more data in the system as well, um, and also there's a new generation of founders right that have grown up with such uh, surplus or such a high velocity of data and etc. So a lot of new generation of startups that you know assume this. Uh, velocity of data. What do you see the future for that will be from your perspective for you know this trends? Yeah, um, I think the data growth, yeah, um, definitely will will still you know uh, exploding. Yeah, um, um, I guess um, I guess in the future, I think we'll see that more like a balance between uh, data. You know regulation, you know, and and data uh, uh, accessibility, yeah. Because uh, with, for example, like Europe with GDPR, uh, and I'm pretty sure in Asia, Indonesia will follow suit in terms of how we can, you know, limit or manage the uh, data privacy, yeah. So uh, that be that can become, you know, um, I would say uh, a blocking in terms of how we can. Uh, leverage data, yeah, for um, insights and analytics. Uh, but I'm 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 quite confident that um, from the regulatory uh, point of view, um, I think uh, we uh, we can still balance. Yeah, I mean the whole industry, the whole ecosystem, the fintech and the uh, uh, the supervisory uh, bodies uh, be able to find a balance. Yeah, between. Uh, how we uh, still manage the data properly uh, without sacrificing the privacy. Yeah. Mm. And let's talk about that, right? Because there's always a big debate between data, privacy, um, and 
you know, the right approach, right? Because it feels almost like there's the Western way, you know, like talk about GDPR, obviously, in the EU, to some extent, uh, there's the American, some of the dynamics mm-hmm. around privacy there. But also, I think there's also the China way, right? <laughs> You know, yeah. certain amount of uh, regulation, but also it's very uh, localized as well. So, what do you think is the is it is that in Southeast Asian way or an Indonesian way? What do you think that uh, what what do you think that is going to be? I think I guess from your yeah. perspective, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that it won't be like uh, going extreme to that you know to the Western world, yeah, where by nature the western people they are more uh privacy oriented right um so that would be uh less extreme to that but i think with the more uh you know technology coming up with the web 3.0 where we have the uh decentralization of you know everything and and the technology the technology is there yeah the blockchain everything is there uh that also can you know, uh, change the whole landscape because now with the blockchain, we don't need anybody to to be a supervisor, right? Uh, we don't need, uh, I mean, no one is supervising anyone and it can be a trustless uh, uh, technology. So anyone uh, can participate in it you know, without revealing too much identity. And, and that I think will be a game changer. And it's also something that uh, we are uh, putting um, uh efforts to yeah we have like a special team now uh doing a blockchain uh, based uh, credit scoring yeah hoping that we mo- remove the friction yeah in sharing the data um uh between the consumer and also the institutions what would you say are some of the kind of like you know southeast asia um data game changers. So one of the ones they mentioned is obviously regulation is a big game changer. Then there's something else they mentioned was like Web 3.0 that allows for these trustless uh, transactions. But what else do you think are the game changers within uh, Southeast Asia or impacting Southeast Asia? Yeah. Uh, well, another one, I think um, the open, well, again, I'm, I'm talking about from our line of business, I think open API will also be uh, a game changer yeah um, because that also allows uh, uh, institutions to share uh, customer information yeah in the right way yeah right now without that open API uh, well there's some you know I would say a gray method to get data uh, which I think is not you know um, a proper yeah which I think is not a proper yeah game changer uh, i know that some of the countries in asia have, uh, have 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 started doing that indonesia i think is still in the early stage and hoping maybe in the next year or so uh, uh it's gonna be yeah uh, regulated yeah and what's interesting is that uh as you talk about all of this, um, you've obviously had such a lot of experience, you know, as a founder. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, when you think about also the fact that you've worked with a lot of VCs along the way and so, so forth, um, 
we're always curious about uh, what advice would you give to founders uh, when looking out for VCs, when fundraising, etc. Because we always get that question ourselves, right? And then we tell people, okay, this is the advice we give. So we figure we might as well ask you know, our founder friends to be like, what advice would you give to founders when you know selecting, when picking, when going out fundraising? Yeah, any advice you give them to folks? Okay. All right. Well, uh, I didn't. Well, I didn't have you know the right. I mean the the. the the uh, direct, you know, direct experience in getting VC for myself because when I we, we started, we started small. Pretty much, uh, we use our savings to to start the business. Pretty much, uh, we use our savings to to start the business. For you know, we know that it's going to take some time to uh, to start up the business, so we make sure that our savings are enough for a year or so, <laughs> so so we don't go starving. Uh, but um, but. Uh, now that you know, I've been doing this and also exposed to uh, VC. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, as a founder, at the end of the day, uh, as a founder, passion about the business, yeah, and you need to be, uh, you need to have, uh, to, uh, you need to have the expertise, yeah, in that business, yeah. Uh, I think those two are the main ingredients uh, to start off any business, whether it's a startup or any any brick and mortar uh, business. Yeah, um, and then uh, the number three, you need to have uh, the right partner to start with. Yeah, uh, ideally you need to have the right partner to start with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ideally you need to have a partner that can complement uh, complement uh, each one of uh, another. Yeah. Um, and I think I was fortunate that I had a partner. That's great. Um, and kind of starting to wrap things up here, you know, if you could go back, you know, in a time machine, right? Yeah. And go back, you know, to the start of your founding career mm-hmm. as a founder. Uh, what advice would you give yourself back then? You know, All right. You take yourself out, you know, buy yourself some tea or coffee. <laughs> you know? What advice would you give yourself back then? Yeah. Well, if I could, you know, uh, turn back the time, uh, I wouldn't change much. Yeah, fantastic. But also getting another partner who uh, who is, I mean, who who are more like, a, you know, uh, uh, investment kind of uh, profile. Yeah. So I would think that we could grow the business file. Yeah. So I would think that we could grow the business. We have a funding, uh, you know, uh, to have a funding, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, with you know everything from our own pocket, uh, the business uh, with you know everything from our own pocket uh, grew. Yeah, but I think it grew very organic. Grew. Yeah, but I think it grew very organic because uh, we didn't have the you know the the money to support the cash flow. Yeah, to grow the business. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was just one thing that I would change, yeah, uh, a bit that we have that you know partner a bit that we have that you know partner that we have that you know partner. Do you feel like that's uh, something that a lot of founders in uh, often ask you about or often face as a problem these days? Yeah, I guess back then in the 2000, <laughs> uh, 
there is no like angel investment. <laughs> There's no <laughs> seed investor, right? Uh, yeah. I guess it's totally different. I guess uh, even the term VC was not, I don't think it was coined yet uh, uh, back then. So I think now the right. the investment, you know, um, uh, the investment world is uh, is abundant. I mean, the the investment uh, vehicles are abundant, right? Uh, we have VC, we have angel investors, we have uh, all kind of, and there are a lot of also the incubators as well, so that that can promote the startups, right? Um, so I think in terms of the access to the funding right now, it's uh, it's much much uh, easier in a way, but keep in mind that the number of startups also like a lot, right? So I think the challenge now is uh, how we can get the attention, right? So I think the challenge now is uh, how we can get the attention, compete, and you know make your startup you know uh, uh, shiny and 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 better than other startups. How do you advise people? Founders to make their company shiny and better than other startups. <laughs> uh, ideally, I think the startup has to be uh, uh, operating in a while. It cannot be like a very greenfield kind of a startup. Um, so that will give kind of very greenfield faster that we kind of a startup. Um, so that will give. I mean, we as a founder front the business. Yeah, even though it's a even though if it's a prototype or if a very small scale. Yeah. Uh, but um, again, but I think the investor will also look at the founders, uh, whether they are passionate about it, they, are, they have the skills to do it, right? And, um, and, and, uh, and, and show. Mm. And I think one interesting problem that everyone always talks about is just like, hey, you know, what is performance, right? <laughs> you know, is it like is it more? Is it less? Mm -hmm. I mean, more is better, obviously, but is yeah. it enough? Uh, you know, and then people always like trying to compare to each other and everything. Do you have any advice about you know yeah. about how people should be thinking about performance um, from a startup perspective? Yeah, I guess thing will keep changing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, years back, you're looking at the number of users. Now, probably you're looking at uh, uh, what is it now, the CAC or whatever. The, there are new terms coming out, right? Um, well, in terms of performance, um, I guess depending on what you know, what what actually uh, the startup is in, uh, has to demonstrate uh, uh, growth. Yeah, I mean growth. Uh, profitable growth now. I think we are looking at profitable growth yeah, rather than <clears throat> uh, revenue, right? Uh, profitable growth and then the path to it, right? Um, someone, I mean, a founder who has a passion and has a knowledge on that, I think will be able to uh, clearly explain to the investors yeah, how to achieve that, uh, that road or path to the profitable growth. Um, and uh, because he knows the inside and out, right? So I think that gives the uh, in because he knows the inside and out, right? So I think that gives the uh, investors uh, uh, the confidence and also the uh, uh, the standout right, uh, of that startup. Do you feel like the market uh, has become clearer over time about these metrics, about performance over time in 
uh, or do you feel like it's becoming more complicated? <laughs> uh, up to date, you know, with all the metrics. Uh, but I think that's somehow uh, also driven by uh, investors, right? I mean, they want to see something uh, growing, uh, looking at different uh, metrics. So uh, now the startups also, uh, well, uh, kind of follow, yeah, uh, what the uh, investors are looking at, yeah, uh, out of startups. Um, I don't think it's complicated. Uh, pre- pretty much it's uh, more or less uh, the traditional, you know, metrics that we, we, I mean, we, we, we've been doing, yeah, in the, in the, in the brick and mortar business, but now with the new terms, yeah. Um, and I think it's logical, yeah, to use those metrics. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and if there's one piece of advice that you give to founders these days, what was that one piece of advice uh, to wrap things up? What is the end? Yeah. Uh, so that you can, you can uh, make the right uh, plan and path. Yeah. Um, of course, it will take some time. It will take small step yeah, to start anything. Uh, just don't, you know, uh, just keep, you know, persevere and, and aim, aim for the goal. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anton. Uh, I'd love to kind of like uh, summarize the three big uh, themes that I learned yeah. from you. Um, the first, right. of course, is uh, thank you so much for actually sharing your early days at UC Berkeley as an engineering student who was not at a library. Uh, so that means you were one of the cool ones. Uh, driving around and, uh, like I said, being a self-learner uh, and learning by doing, uh, which, uh, and also choosing to go back to Indonesia very early on uh, before everybody thought it was a good idea <laughs> and uh, choosing to build your career not in banking or in consulting or manufacturing, uh, but actually, like I said, banking, but really in the data and eventually becoming a founder, right? Uh, so really quite interesting for to hear that thinking, I think, uh, at that early stage. And I think the second part that was really interesting was, of course, hearing uh, about how you've observed and seen uh, the early days of the Indonesia startup ecosystem uh, and how it's matured over time, um, not just from a personal basis where uh, the data was, you know, very painful, yet fun, uh, like you said, to now very plentiful uh, and easy to connect um, but also I think uh, how the founders uh, think differently in terms of uh, investing and the profiles and pitching to where they are today, right? Uh, um, as well as, you know, how metrics are measured from users to, you know, uh, lifetime value and customer acquisition cost today. So I think it was interesting to hear that uh, timeline dynamic in your own words. And lastly, I think thank you for um, sharing uh, in bits and pieces um, the game changes uh, on data a little bit, <laughs> you know, from a technical basis uh, about what you see at a big trends that are impacting how um, data, you know, finance uh, and technology uh, regulation will all uh, impact each other uh, in terms of trends, uh, especially uh, outside the West versus East dynamic slash paradigm towards more of like what it actually means for Indonesia and Southeast Asia. So uh, thank you so much, Anton, for coming on the MHV podcast. Likewise, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed the MHV podcast, please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Go to www.monkshill.com for more founders' journeys, company building advice, and insights into regional tech trends.